started. So we are in uh, Gospel Growth for Pursuing Biblical Friendship. We are in Session 4, uh, Marks of the Biblical Friendship and How to Pursue It, Part 1, which means that there's Part 2 for next week. Um, where we've been so far in the past three weeks, we talked about what is biblical friendship. Uh, we talked about what are some watchouts of biblical friendship as we journey on this path together. And then last week, Luke uh, talked about benefit of biblical friendship, uh, two benefits being doubling the joy in this life and having the sorrow in this life here. So we'll talk about the three marks of a biblical fr friendship uh, this week, and then we'll talk about the uh, three more next week. That's kind of the roadmap ahead for us. Now, before we uh, dive into uh, the marks of the biblical friendship here, I'd like to preface three things briefly Something that I wish somebody had told me a few years ago when I started on this journey of pursuing biblical friendship. I just love when people give me a heads up on, okay, this is where you're headed, here's a heads up, or a pro tip, or a beta, and so forth, right? So number one, just real quick, when you pursue biblical friendship, pursue it with patience, right? Meaningful friendship takes time, so be patient. Perhaps you see like a social media post, or you see the other examples of friends, friendship in other people's lives, and you may wonder, how come I don't have that, right? And then there, you may fall into this uh, trap of comparison. So be patient because what you don't, most likely won't see is all the behind-scenes cultivation of friendship that have probably taken place in their friendship that you're not seeing. So there's a time element that you need to realize the friendship is forged and cultivated over time, right? It's not forced and it doesn't happen overnight. Second thing here is pursue friendship with humility, I love the uh, Basel or Basel of Caesarea, fourth century theologian, said the uh, humility is the essential virtue in approaching life. And I believe humility is an essential element in approaching friendship as well. So without humility, you'll hear all these teachings about friendship, and you will not see the need uh, to desire or pursue biblical friendship in your life. And third thing, pursue friendship with the help of the Holy Spirit. This is essential. Right? As you go through all these marks of the fr friendship, if you're like me, I actually went after those marks on my own, and I ended up feeling very burnt out because I can't pursue these on my own. Right? There's even a book called Forgotten God. I don't know if you guys know. There's a book, book like that titled, referring to the third person of the spirit. And why is that? Right? It's because there's, I think there's a temptation for us to live our Christian life apart from God. Right? And Jesus tells us the help is available in John 14. He says, when the Father sends the advocate, right, referring to the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And I believe that this also applies, the everything applies, to the realms of friendship as well. So the Lord and God will teach you how to be a good friend. Okay, so with that in mind, let's ask God to help us in our pursuit of biblical friendship here. Lord, we just want to take this moment here that you would help us to, um, to be humbled and as we uh, pursue the, uh, your, your design intended friendship, that we would seek for your help and uh, thank you that you have pursued us as your friends and that we can in return pursue others in our life. And pray all this in your name. Amen. So first mark of a biblical friendship is that biblical friendship is close. There's a Proverbs 18.24. It says, a man of many companions may, may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So what is this Proverbs telling us? 
right? It's telling us not to measure our relational health by how many people have, like how many friends you have on Facebook or how many followers you have on Instagram, but how deeply you go with actually just feel them is what Proverbs, uh, the principle is telling us here. Now, some of you may have seen this concentric circle of friendship. You know, there's a general mass on the outside in your life, and as you get closer and closer to two friends, you have a best friends and good friends. And I believe this concentric circle uh, provides several reality checks for us. One is, you cannot be best friends with everyone, right? Everyone that's on the outside, acquaintance, friends, cannot be your best friends, right? We should be friendly with everyone, but if best friend means everyone, then best friend, best friend means nothing. With the limited capacity that you and I have, more likely that we're going to be only able to invest our time and energy into only selected few good friends. Right? We see this example from even Jesus. He had 12 disciples, but he did not spend equal time with all 12 disciples. He spent selectively, just particularly the three, Peter, James, and John, he spent more intimate time with those three. Right? He didn't spend equal time with the 12 disciples. Another reality check is that if you are married, then your spouse should be in your best friend, most inner concentric circle. Okay, and that, that should be obvious thing, but I need to state it because I have uh, uh, came across an example where uh, a couple of my friends were neglecting that principle, right? So my wife, uh, Arena, is actually my best friend. She travels with me through this thing called life, right? all the ups and downs, and we're also learning how to uh, love the Lord, love others, and also fulfilling great commission, making disciples in our lives together. So you, as you see this, right, the concentric circles, you may wonder, well, that's great. Well, where do we start, right, to forge the close friend? And you may actually resonate, perhaps you're in a place where you may resonate this old sailor saying, where it says, water, water, water everywhere, but no drop to drink. Meaning, there's people everywhere around you, but where are my close friends? Right? So, practical way to start to forge friendship is to be discerning. Here's a word of caution here. Those who, fear, uh, those, those who are feeling lonely at this time, there's actually a greater danger of rushing into any friendship that may be available to you. So that's a word of caution that you don't want to just jump in right away. Proverbs 13.20 encourages us to discern who we befriend with. It says, he who walks with the wise grow wise, but a companion of fools suffer harm. So the proverb is telling us that you need to be more selective in who you're actually befriending with, who you're selecting to be your close friends, because they're going to have an impact in your life. And then some of you may to discern, um, maybe there perhaps there's a lot of friends in your life, but maybe they're the wrong ones to have. So wisdom calls for not only making friends, but sometimes wisdom calls for breaking away from your current friends. So the, may the Lord give you wisdom on how to do that. And then here at, at this juncture, some of you may ask, well, what about people that are non-believers? Can I have a deep friendship with them? I would argue in my, in my experience as well that you can have meaningful relationships with non-believing friends. In fact, one of my coworkers, has been for six years, I would argue he was kind of in that good friend realm with me for a long time. Now, what I have experienced is, though, there's a limitation in delving in even further with him because he could not share this life-giving relationship that I have with God 
he was more of a spectator, seeing what's happening in, in, in my life. He wasn't necessarily the participant in that same grace of life together. So that was the kind of differentiation that I, I made. Um, so my encouragement to you, if God has brought a non-believing friend in your life, continue to pursue them and love them. And then just one word of caution is that you don't want to treat them as an evangelism project to them. They'll know the difference. Right? You want to genuinely love them as they are made in the image of God. Right? And perhaps the Lord will grant them, through his kindness, lead them into repentance. But that's not guaranteed. But you need to continue to faithfully share your life struggles, right? And they need to see how the gospel is actually changing you in this very moment. Not always talking about gospel in a past tense, but right now, how does the gospel is making a difference? They need to see that and hear that from you. Now, so you have narrowed down the list of potential people. Perhaps there's certain people that comes to your mind at this point saying, maybe those are the people that I need to be friends with. So what are some of the practical steps from this point on? Main point here is that friendship does not occur by accident, right? It requires time and effort. Hugh Black has written a really helpful um, book called Friendship, and this is what he says. I don't know if you guys can uh, advance a slide for me here. The common mistake is that we lament that we have no faithful friends when we have not really expanded the love which produces such. We want to reap where we have not sown. The secret of friendship is just the secret of all spiritual blessing. The way to get is to give. In other words, the way to have close friends in your life is to be a good friend first. So what are some practical ways um, that you can sow and to be a good, good friend? This is such a big, broad topic. You know, I've been really challenged with this topic here. But here, I'm going to take a stab at it, and here are my five suggestions that's been helpful in my own life. One is the uh, pursue in-person interactions with your friends. You know, longer I journey through this biblical friendship, I am more convinced that there is no substitute for the in-person interactions with my friends. Sure, I can do a FaceTime, you know, do the messengers and so forth and try to connect, but there is a real, no real substitute for that interaction that we get. Jonathan Holmes says this way, there's something about face-to-face -face interaction with my friend that uniquely allows me to enter his life, ask wise questions, and explore secret areas of struggle and laugh over life's ups and downs. That just cannot be possible apart from in-person interactions with your friends. Second is to have shared meals. We all eat at some point, right? So leverage your eating time to connect and forge friendship with others. Tim Chester in his book, Meal with Jesus, this is what he says. Meals slow us down. Some of, us, some of us don't like that. We like to get things done. But the meals force you to be people-oriented instead of task-oriented. Right? Shared meals create special opportunities for a thoughtful and face-to-face -face, uh, conversation. You know, even as I look back my own close friendship, I look back on that and I see so many shared meals that I had with those guys, especially Korean barbecue, right? Because I love Korean barbecue. Third thing, third thing is to think together, right? Share what you're currently learning, where you're thinking about certain things, because we're, we're constantly learning. So God is calling us not to be one in activity, one in feeling, but also one in one mind as well. So David Banner, uh, let me see if I can find this. 
It says, friends who enjoy soul intimacy never settle for gossip or simple information exchange. Instead, they use data of events as a springboard for the sharing of the feelings, perceptions, values, ideas, and opinions. Most importantly, spiritual intimacy involves sharing our experience of God. Do you see that? As, a, as we share life together, that becomes a springboard for us to talk about many facets of this life. So cultivate this kind of friendship where it allows you to openly discuss about what you're thinking, maybe allowing you to disagree with your friends, and also learn from each other from the process here. You know, as I thought about this point here, I couldn't help to think about my friend Jairo. He's actually sitting over here. Um, I thought about our friendship, how, how it started. It, it started with our desire to, like, man, like, I really want to learn how to better minister to our Muslim friends. Right? Jairo had a coworker who was Muslim. I also had a coworker who was Muslim. So we had a mutual learning desire interest, and I, I believe our friendship was budded and started when we started to read a book called Seeking Allah and Finding Jesus Together several years ago, right? So pursue your learning with your friends together, right? There's another thing is enjoying life together as well. Friends simply enjoy with each other. Um, here's, here's a really helpful quote. Um, Joe, from Joel Beek here. He says, as a friendship grows, it focuses less, less on what we do and more on with whom we do it. What if the joint events and activities had to cease? Would your friendship disappear? If so, how close a friendship was it? So the real test of friendship is, can you literally do nothing with this person and can you enjoy together those moments of life that are utterly simple? Meaning, if you have certain friends because you're doing certain things together, and let's just say that you stop doing that, what happens to your friendship? Also, you don't see your friends, then that means the real test, the real close friendship was that you weren't really close to, with that person. Because you should be just able to just sit there, even if you're not doing anything, there's that joy and then there's excitement just being around with each other because they are your close friend. Personally in my life, um, this enjoying life element comes with celebrating things together. And why so much is emphasis on celebration, you may ask. You know, Mark Dever, uh, his, uh, this, this was a very impactful quote for me. He says, celebration shows what you treasure the most. So by celebrating certain things, you're showing what you value in life. Therefore, um, celebrating my friends' birthdays have become an important business for me. And I think my close friends would agree that celebrating a uh, birthday is, is, is a serious business that, that I do with my friends. Um, also, just the, uh, realizing the uh, brevity of life and the fragility of life that I mentioned in my first session. Uh, there, there's, I think there's a wisdom that the Lord has given to me that time is limited. That I may not have long years ahead to celebrate them. And the, uh, the other spectrum is also how can you be there for each other in the hard times? And this is uh, what Luke talked about, doubling the joy and having the sorrow. And I remember um, Last year around this time, my wife and I uh, experienced miscarriage in our life. That was unexpected sorrow that we were experiencing. And I remember calling two of my friends. I, I remember calling my friend uh, Alex, who's been friends with me for 15 years. Justin, who's been friends with me for the past five years. Neither of them really had any words of comfort for me in that moment. Right? They didn't know what to say. But I still remember just seeing them, talking with them. As I'm crying, they're sitting there with no words, just crying with me just letting me know that I'm not alone in this journey, right? And then in that moment, I realized they were having the sorrows with me. So enjoy life together with your friends, right? And then another thing is serve together. 
find ways to work side by side in God honoring service to advance his kingdom. As, as I look back on close friendship, many opportunities were provided, provided in me uh, in the context where we were serving together. I love this idea of just as the heat of the battle infuses individual soldiers into band of brothers. As a Shakespeare once said, serving together in Christ's army makes a fellow so- soldier into my brother. You know, as I look at back this point as well too, I, can't, I couldn't think of, uh, I couldn't help to think my friend Zach who served with me in the young adult ministry for past five years prior to coming to Gospel Grace at a different local church, just experiencing the special bond as we serve through the difficulties in ministry and being used by God to see how other people are being transformed by the gospel. It's a unique experience that I cannot recreate, right? It was a gift from the Lord. So at this juncture, what about in your close concentric friendship circle, what if your friends are now moving away? There's a, trend, there's a transient element that comes in, right? So for example, if I were to select my groomsmen today, it would look very different than my groomsmen from 13 years ago, just because my life has changed. And seasons of life changed, and people kind of moved on. New people have came into my closer friendship circle. So what do you do in that transition? This is a, probably one of the most difficulty in the past few years that I've been challenged with, right, as you become really good friends with certain people, whether they move away or through different life circumstances, people kind of move in and out. The word of caution here is that you don't want to empty out your most inner circle right away. You want to ensure there's a transition period of time where there's always a few good friends in that most inner circle. And really talk about those things with your friends. Oftentimes we tend to talk about the uh, things that are out there, outside of friendship. Talk about the friendship that you actually share with that person. You know, I learned this from Pastor John, especially in leading community groups. You know, you talk about things that's important to you. So if you're leading community groups and things are not going well, what do you do? You talk about it with your community groups, right? And saying, this is important. Like, what's going on here? Here's a quick health check. Let's talk about it, right? And we do that with our marriage too. Like, if you feel distant with your spouse, what do you do? You talk about it, right? Say, here's our marriage. Here's the current status. How, how can we make it different, right? So I think there's a, some element of a discussing your friendship with your close friend that may be helpful. So at this juncture, for some of you that are seeking to forge close friendship, practically it may be that you make an intentional effort of meeting someone new instead of waiting people to reach out to you and come to you. Perhaps, this is a great opportunity, by the way, in Gospel Grace, maybe come a little bit early before the service, maybe stick around a little longer after the service, maybe uh, meet people in between services, what a better way to meet new people that are perhaps pursuing Christ together. You already have a shared uh, value that is intimate in that regard. You know, go up to somebody and ask a few questions, seek, seek some common interest, get to know this person and share a little bit about yourself. And perhaps you meet someone outside of your community group, perhaps you're part of the community group, meet them outside of the group, really get to know them, um, see what they enjoy, uh, what they're struggling with, really just hear them out. And I look back on my also close friends again, is most of them actually I have met here in Gospel Grace, in the same context, in the, in the local church setting here. And maybe for some of you that are wanting to, seeking to maintain close friendship, you already have close friends in your life, do not empty out your uh, inner circle abruptly as life changes. Uh, ensure that you allow that transition time and talk through those with your close friends. And perhaps your friendship is suffering at this point because you have not talked about your health of your friendship with that person. Talk about it, right? Initiate those conversations and may God give you courage to talk about those difficult things and then learn how to, you can continue to move closer to your friend. 
And also, lastly, you want to establish rhythm for friendship, which, uh, which is a great segue for the next mark of the friendship, which is being careful. In, to, in the interest of our time, I'm just going to focus on two specific areas of being careful. One is the friendship rhythm and the conversation. So first with the uh, friendship rhythm here. We all I have different priorities in life, and we know we will put things on schedule if we value those things, right? For example, if you value exercising, what, what does your schedule look like? You have a weekly workout schedule. Same thing with a friendship. If you value friendship, then you should reflect your priorities by establishing a rhythm, consistent rhythm for friendship that you can allow for investment to occur. In other words, how does your calendar reflect your value for pursuing friendship is another way to put it. Have you ever heard, heard this exchange before where um, perhaps you're meeting with new people or maybe you're talking with your friends and you're talking about, yeah, that sounds great. Like, yeah, 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 let's do that. And then time goes on, and then time goes on, and then what happens? Nothing happens. You had a well-intended, like, an intention behind that. It wasn't on the calendar, so it was never prioritized. So it never happened, right? So my friends, close some of my close friends, always hear this: like, hey, if you don't put it on the calendar, it just won't happen. Let's put it on the calendar. Um, so how often then should we spend time with our friends? Because this requires discernment. Look at the uh, the Scandinavian proverb here. Go often to the house of your friends, for weeds soon choke the unused path. It's meaning like go visit your friend, because there are weeds growing everywhere, right? And then there's Proverbs 25, 17. Don't visit your neighbors too often, or you will wear out your welcome, <laughs> right? So there's a spectrum. You need to find the frequency, especially if they're married or have kids. Your friends have a different stage of life. There's a little more extra discernment that you need to approach in friendship. And perhaps your friends are going through those significant life changes. You need to allow, you need to adjust the expectation, how much time you can actually spend because it may not be the same as before. So those are the key things that you want to be talking about. I still remember this one particular brother. He was a former member here, Andrew Walmart. Maybe some of you know him. I remember me going through this transition and becoming a dad to Theo uh, three years ago. And I remember just feeling this angst of like missing my friends. I'm just like feeding my son, changing diapers, and then uh, trying, to, trying to take a nap while he's taking a nap. Some of your parents are nodding with me right now at this moment, right? I went through that newborn phase. And this brother, particular brother, um, just called, called just out of the blue and saying, hey, I really miss you. I haven't seen you in a while. I realize that you're just kind of embracing this fatherhood. I want to come see you somehow. I want to meet you where you're at. What do you need? I said, I, I, I want food. Like, I like to eat. So he showed up on Saturday morning at 8 in the morning with a little crate of waffle makers with a bunch of ingredients and said, hey, I'm here to make waffles for you. So here he is in the kitchen making waffles for me, and we, we had a great time connecting, but he was meeting where I was at in that moment in life, in life stages. So perhaps you have friends that are in the different life stages here. So how can you meet them where they're at? Also, another, another uh, idea that's been very helpful for me, especially if you're friends with the people that are married or have children. Vaughn Roberts says this way, and this has impacted me significantly, and all my close friends also resonate with this. It says, good friends aim to arrange their friendship in such a way that their spouse is grateful rather than resentful for any time he spends with his friend and comes back as a better husband and father. Meaning, Irina would say, please go hang out with your friends because every time you go hang out with them, I can notice that you're becoming more godly men because they're influencing you in this way, right? And this principle has really propelled our friendship 
uh, to really how do we invest our time wisely? How do we spend our time together in such a way? Because we have a limited time. We can't be out seven days a week hanging out with, <laughs> while neglecting our wives and our kids. Right? It just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So if you stand, think about this. If you spend time with your friends, think about if their spouse would agree with the statement. That would be a good check here, right, as you pursue close friendship here. So establish a friendship rhythm that will work both for you and your friends. Second thing is to be careful with conversa- uh, conversation, thoughtful conversations. Right? Proverbs 18.13 says, He who answered before listening, that is his folly and his shame. You cannot really expect to have a meaningful relationship with people that you rarely talk to. You need to have a conversation, meaningful conversation with them to cultivate friendship. If they don't know what your joys are and your sorrows, how are they supposed to be a good friend to you? And then like, likewise, vice versa. And you can approach this thoughtfully by asking good questions, right? Because good questions shows that you care about them and you care about what they think. So going back to the uh, concentric circles, right? These are the type of, uh, the kind of conversation that will take place. On the acquaintance side, maybe the friend side, you talk about facts about you. It's like, this is who I am, this is where I work, right? Those are the type of conversations that are taking place. As you move into the good friends realm, now you're talking about your preferences, your likes. This is what you like, what you don't like. Here's my kind of life situation. It's kind of hard what's going on here. And then as you move into the kind of the good friends, best friends, now you're really talking about your sorrows and your joys and deep things actually do matter to you. So talk about those things. This is what Joel Beek says. Build friendship through godly conversations. When such a friendship is developed, then two Christians can speak freely and naturally about matters both spiritual and natural, often moving from the spiritual to natural back to the spiritual with no awkwardness. Both feel that they benefit from this godly, real conversation with each other. So what are some good, quest- uh, good conversations that you can uh, think through? You know, you can ask, like, hey, what do you value fr- in friendship? Kind of learn about that. What are some same things that's on your mind these days? Or another question is, when do you feel most loved? Do you even know that answer to some of your close friends? And a better question, this has been really helpful for me, is to ask, how can I be a better friend to you? Because as life changes and dynamics of relation changes, this is a great question to calibrate and reset your relationship because the things that have been helpful in the past may not be helpful. So you're constantly updating with your friend, how can I be a better friend to you? And then go deeper by actively listening. Like, like, hey, you mentioned this earlier. What do you mean by that? You know, because you listen because they're giving the snapshot of their lives currently. And then you want to really follow up with what they just said. I, I, this, is a, this is a big principle that I learned from Jonathan Albright, former pastor here at Gospel Grace. He used the verse, Hebrews 10, where it says, let us consider how to stir up another for love and good works. And this is what he told me. He said, hey, sometimes like before I go meet somebody, I kind of, th- I have a mental note of like, what did I talk about with this person? You know, and then like, I try to figure out like, what are some ways that I can point scriptural truth to or the encouragement I can provide? Um, what was this person going through? What are some practical ways I can uh, encourage this person? And I actually pray for this person before I meet. And I started doing the same simple principle gesture that he told me about. And man, like God stirs my heart as I do this for the people that I'm about to meet. So I really encourage you to practice, adopt this practice here. So some of you, you need to thoughtfully rearrange your time in your, in your week to establish a helpful rhythm for your friendship. Really, they ask the question of, does your calendar actually do reflect your value in prizing friendship in your life? And maybe perhaps some of you need to put some thought into asking good questions to your friends. 
to move closer in friendship. You know, like what did your friends actually, like, like what did they tell you last time? Do you actually even remember what they, what they told you? Like what tell you? Do you remember that? And how can you follow up with them this week? Lastly, the biblical friendship is candid. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiply kisses. Biblical friendship has this element of speaking truth in love. In order for true friendships to happen, we must be prepared to openly speak truth into their lives and also receive gentle correction. Right? Ephesians 4.29 says that everything you say be good and helpful so that your words be an encouragement to those who hear them. You know, Gordon McDonald had, had a really helpful quote here. There's a certain niceness to a French where I can, as they say, be myself. But what I really need are relationships in which I will be encouraged to become better than myself. Myself needs to grow a little each day. I don't want to be myself that I was yesterday. I want to be myself that is developing each day to be more like a Christ-like person. You don't want to take those advice where your friends are saying, yeah, man, it's okay, man, just be, be yourself. Terrible advice. Right? Your good friend should be telling you, you know, you shouldn't be yourself in that way because you can be more like Christ in this way. You should be a little different. So here, let me point it out to you. I'm concerned in this area. And when you share those things, don't just share your opinion. Share the word of what God has told about those specific instances. The word of ministry doesn't belong just to the pastors, but all of us as believers. Colossians 3.16 tells us that. Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly so that we can teach and admonish others in all wisdom. You know, my wife is really good at this. She's very talented in this speaking truth and love. You know, most of her friends would also agree with me. Where she has this ability where she would just speak directly with them. And I, I'm just like on the edge of the sea when that happens, right? It's like, I don't know how this person's going to take it. More than, more, more often, right? Just what that person receives is like, they just feel genuinely loved. It's like, thank you for so much for telling me this, right? This is so hard, hard for me to hear, but that was so good. And how do I know that that's a naturally gifted ability? It's because these people keep coming back to her. It's like, hey, I remember we talked about this. I have another issue. Can we talk about this? And I'm not naturally gifted like that. So I had to wrestle through it. Like, how do I grow in this particular area? And there are four things, four questions that I ask myself before I engage with my friend in speaking truth and love. One is, if you're taking notes, jot this down. This is a very helpful principle here. One is, is this true? What am I about to say? Is this actually true? Second is, is it really necessary for me to share this with my friend? Third is, is it really kind in how I say this to, to my friend? And then lastly, four is ask permission. Ask your friend saying, hey, can I talk about these things with you? As a friend, I observe this. Uh, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm for you. I'm for your well-being. I want to talk about this with you. And also, if you're receiving, on the other hand, know that this, was, this must have been a very difficult thing for your friend to do that. It took a courage to talk to you in this way. And know that your friend actually loves you and that's why he's doing it. Or he or she is doing it. And keep this friend. If this friend is coming to you and then rebuking you or correcting you in this way, in a gentle way, this friend is money. It's a gold, gold friend right here. Keep this friend. And I want to close with the, uh, the example of Bree who exemplified this example in my own life. Some of you know Bree. He's been, she's been sent out of, out of Gospel Grace, serving as a missionary in Southeast Asia at this point. Bree actually used to live with uh, my wife and I for a couple years in the past. And one day, Bree came to, came to us and said, hey, uh, can we like, sit down and talk about this? Um, I've been kind of watching you guys, you know, as you guys are becoming parents. And 
I want to preface this. I am not married, nor do I have any kids. But as a friend, I've watched you closely, so I want to share this with you. And then she said, Chan, I realize that you're speaking, trying to speak Russian with your son, and you are now neglecting your parental duty from Ephesians 6.1, where it says, fathers train your children and, and provide instructions and discipline. I realize that there's a limitations in that because you're trying to do in Russian. And frankly, Theo was passing me in language sufficiency or proficiency in, in Russian at the time. So I think you guys need to do something differently. Which was kind of like an eye-opening moment at the time. We didn't realize that was happening. So it was kind of like a blinder was here, and then she kind of opened up the blinder for me. So I remember like, that led to multiple conversations with Irina and saying, yeah, like, well, how do we navigate this a little bit differently? And then I started speaking in, in English, and he completely pivoted over to English. So Irina is feeling the pain about that at this point. You know, I, but, but you know, on a serious note, I am very thankful for my friend in this way. She, she was not in the similar stage of life, yet she was candid towards me. She was for my well-being and offered something that I, I didn't see at the time. And actually, Theo should be thanking her later on as well, right? So for some of you, there may be things that you need to confront or challenge your friends on certain things this week. Maybe there's perhaps there are things that you wanted to talk about, but you were afraid to talk about. So consider, hey, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Ask them permission if you can speak to them on that regard. Okay, and so there's a, there's a lot of things that we're covering here. Again, we just covered three marks of a biblical friendship today. We're covering three more next week. So let's uh, close in prayer here. Lord, thank you. Thank you that the, uh, you embodied actually these all three marks of friendship, that you are close to us, that you are careful in approaching us, and also you are candid in speaking truth into our lives. And may we be your people that reflect these values and marks in our own lives towards our friendship and, and to, our, to the friends that you have given to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.